Today, I want us to look a little bit on this Pentecost Sunday at the subject of life in the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, hopefully, you've been having a fantastic Jubilee bank holiday weekend. It's just good to get a little show of hands. Uh, anybody get to the Mall on Thursday? Yes, a whole bunch. Yeah, Bob, you were there. Amazing. Very good. Uh, was anybody street parties? Yeah, just a few. And also, did anyone get to the palace party last night? That has got to be the icing on the cake. Yes, you were there. Absolutely amazing. Well, I was, I was in the palace, but not last night. Actually, uh, two weeks ago, uh, not because of anything that I had done. Uh, I was there on account of my eldest son, Jack, who was there celebrating the fact that he had completed his gold Duke of Edinburgh award. And uh, he was kind enough to invite me along as his special guest, his plus one. I got to go because Emily, a number of years ago, had been with her dad, who'd collected an award for the Queen, which was very, very special. But he, was, Jack, was the one who'd done all the hard work. I basically just got the fun. I got to sort of put my best suit on. In fact, it's my only suit uh, that I've got. And uh, it was all because of what he'd done, navigating his way through the fjords and the mountains of Norway for five days in a foreign land. And uh, I just got to tag along and check out the Queen's garden and, of course, claim my uh, complimentary standard Duke of Edinburgh keep cup. And uh, if I'm really honest, I'd always wondered what it was like inside those gates like so many for years I think my first trip to Buckingham Palace I was about five years old so for about 40 years I'd wondered what is it really like inside the palace but May 20th 2022 I had access I was in I got behind the gates past the police and it was this for me, a significant and historic moment in a significant and historic year, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee year. And of course, this weekend, celebrations have been taking place all across the country to mark this unprecedented event in British history. Queen Elizabeth II, uh, at age 96, she's, the Brit she's Britain's longest ever reigning monarch, and she's, of course, uh, most of all, I think, been celebrated for her faithfulness and her service. She came to the throne on the day of her coronation 70 years ago. But amidst those royal celebrations, today is a celebration day in the life of the church. Pentecost Sunday, where we gather together to remember that significant, historic moment when the church was born, when God poured out his Holy Spirit on his people. The early church were propelled into all of the known world with a mission, with a vision, to witness to the one who hasn't just reigned for 70 years but is the one who has reigned on the throne since the beginning of time, and he will reign for the whole of all eternity. The faithful one, the king of kings, the servant king. And this event of Pentecost, it wasn't just for then. 
It's not just a historic event. It's also for now. God continues to pour out his spirit upon his people for anyone who would ask. Anyone who seeks will find. And like those first followers of Jesus, God wants, I believe, to fill you and me today afresh with his Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and feeling dry. Maybe you've been having a tough week. God wants to fill you with his spirit. Jesus said in John's gospel that we can know streams of living water that will flow from within us. Maybe you're struggling through all these times that we're in. I find great encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 says, In the midst of our suffering, there is joy in the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength. His joy comes by receiving his Holy Spirit. And Jesus came so that we might have life and life in all of its fullness. The principal way that we know that life is by being filled afresh with the Spirit of God. All of that starts with expectation. 2022 marks 70 years since the Queen's coronation. And Pentecost Sunday comes 50 days, seven weeks after Easter Sunday. The day when we celebrate, of course, Jesus' death and his resurrection. And Pentecost, as we read here, it was, a, it was a major festival in the Jewish calendar. Jerusalem would have been filled with crowds of people. They were there to celebrate the wheat harvest. And as we read in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were all together. They were waiting expectantly because that's what Jesus had told them to do after his resurrection, but before his ascension into heaven. Jesus had told his disciples a bit earlier in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here they are, these early followers of Jesus, about 120 believers in total gathered together, not dissimilar to a crowd the size that we are this morning. And they're waiting expectantly for God to move. I don't know how you find waiting. Personally, I find waiting really, really difficult. Waiting for a bus, waiting for the tube, waiting in the supermarket queue, maybe at the traffic lights. But this isn't like that. This isn't a kind of passive waiting. This is an active waiting. And here when Jesus says to his followers, wait, he's saying, position yourself to receive. Take a posture of expectant waiting on him. I think that can be so hard for us sometimes to do in the busyness of life. 
knowing that there are so many different things that we would like to do or want to get done. Um, you can probably tell by the fact that my face is looking a little bit browner than usual. Uh, Emily and I, we've been away for a few days uh, this week over half term. And whilst we were away in Sussex, some friends of ours got in touch and said, hey, uh, we're at this festival called Wildfires. And uh, there's this festival taking place. It's on the Whistler Estate uh, down in Sussex. Would you like to come? If you want, we can get you a ticket. And Emily was like super excited. She was like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be amazing. And told our four boys, hey, we're going to go to wildfire. It's going to be great. And she said, oh, Martin, we should go, shouldn't we? And I was like, oh, really? Like, do we have to? We're on holiday. And I, I've got to be honest, I was a bit grumpy. I was feeling like, I just want to chill. I do a lot of church. I'm a vicar in the Church of England. That's what I do. So on my holiday, do I really want to go to another church event, conference? You know, we're going to focus in a few weeks' time, and that's going to be amazing. Isn't that going to be enough? But to cut a long story short, Emily and the boys, they persuaded me, and uh, we turned up, and do you know, I was so thankful that they had really helped position me in a place of expectation. I'd come with very low expectation, but just being there in that crowd of people worshipping, with the community of Christians together, spending time in his word, praying together, worshipping together. And what I realised is that to be open, to be expectant like that, it's actually, it takes humility it's a position of humility and it's a choice to be expectant, trusting that what God has promised is good. And that's what the disciples do here in this story. They expectantly wait on him. They trust in his word. They wait and they pray and they pray and they wait. It wasn't passive, it was active. And whenever we set aside time before God, he comes and he meets with us. That's what you've done today. Just think of all the things that you could have been doing. All the places that you could be. All the chores. All the extra work. All the, whatever. The study. Whatever it might be. And yet you've chosen to position yourself with expectation amongst the people of God. He comes in our Sunday services. In our gatherings. In our groups when we meet together. For kingdom come. There's that promise. It doesn't have to be a festival. When two or more are gathered in his name, he says, there I am with them. That's why I'm so excited about us all going away together for focus. It's going to take some work and a bit of a sacrificial cost and effort. And yet, for me, it's like positioning myself and my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to stick ourselves in a field and say, God, we're only here for one reason, to meet with you. And of course, he can come every day in all kinds of different ways. But there's something about that level of expectation and faith when we all come together. This moment of Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, it's not just for then, it's for now. So let's be expectant. That's the first thing. The second thing is that these followers of Jesus, they experienced the Holy Spirit. They were expectant 
and they experience the Holy Spirit. We read in verse 2, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. After waiting expectantly, they experienced the power and the presence of God for themselves. They had an encounter with him. It was real. It was tangible. It was physical. We know that because they heard it. It says the sound like the blowing of a violent wind. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. literally means breath or wind. And the day of Pentecost was really the fulfillment of that moment where Jesus had come to his disciples and he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They heard it and they also saw it. It says they saw something like tongues of fire that rested on each of them. Again, fire throughout Scripture is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You remember the story of Moses and the burning bush in Exodus. Moses sees this bush and for some reason it doesn't seem to be burning up. Because actually it was something like fire. It was the Spirit of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. But of course, understandably, people can get a bit nervous and a bit fearful of an experience of the Holy Spirit. What does it feel like? Maybe you think that if you've never encountered the Holy Spirit in that way, if you've never experienced his presence, what will happen? And I just want to say that there's no right or wrong way to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit. We all respond differently. Even on the day of Pentecost, we read here in this passage that there were different responses. It says that some were perplexed, some were bewildered, some questioned it. Some of them were cynical. They thought they'd had too much wine. They thought they were drunk. But some of them were utterly amazed. The experience of the Holy Spirit is amazing. It requires faith but it's amazing and I think often we can become almost too focused on perhaps the manifestation of the spirit but what's important is the difference that the experience of the Holy Spirit makes in our hearts and in our lives what's the fruit of that experience some of you who are old enough to remember you may remember in the 1990s uh, many parts of the church, uh, certainly in this country and all around the world, they were experiencing something of a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, some say it sort of started in a, in a vineyard church, actually in Canada, in Toronto. So it was, became known as the Toronto Blessing. And God was pouring out his Spirit in a fresh way. Many people were experiencing the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And there were lots and lots of different manifestations of the Spirit. Some people would shake. Some people would cry. Some people would do even slightly more bonkers things, trusting that it was the Spirit of God. Some people would fall down in the Spirit. And there was this phrase that kind of grew up at that time, which was, you know, it's not how you go down that matters. It's how you come up. 
It's not how you fall down to the floor under the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's how you get up. In other words, what really matters is what God has done in your life during that experience, during that encounter. The impact on someone's life. That's how you know that the experience of the Holy Spirit is real and genuine. And on this first Pentecost Sunday that we read about, they experienced something that was real, genuine, authentic, and it was something for everyone. No one was disqualified. Verse 4, it says, all of them. I haven't studied it particularly for this, but I think the word all in Greek means the same as in English. It means everyone. And Peter is filled with the power of the Spirit to preach the gospel. And he quotes the prophet Joel. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. In other words, all people, everyone, male and female, young and old, rich and poor. The experience of the Holy Spirit is for everyone, not just for special people. And the Holy Spirit unites his people. He brings unity, not uniformity. These were people from all kinds of places. But the Spirit is poured out essentially to unite the church. During our time away, one festival wasn't enough. And uh, we actually decided that we were going to go to the big church festival. So we had a day at wildfires, then we had another day relaxing, resting. And then for two days, we went to the big church festival, a gathering of about 35,000 people. And you know what the most amazing thing was? was It was the most diverse gathering of Christians that I'd been a part of in this country. And just to see people from every different denomination Every age, every phase, every stage, every ethnic diversity represented in that place. Uh, We were there on the first session yesterday, and we were sitting next to this family. And they were from uh, Church of God of Prophecy in Birmingham. It was just amazing to chat with them and just sort of hear their story. And to be quite honest, just be blown away by their faith and their Pentecostalism. You know, they had some real fire in them to give to us. But this whole gathering, and last night there was fireworks and a worship celebration. and It's just this amazing moment to see the church united together. This story of Pentecost, it wasn't just the reversal of Babel. People trying to get there in their own strength. But actually, there's this amazing parallel between when 50 days after the Passover in the Old Testament, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Fire came down from heaven, consumed the offering. And in parallel, 50 days now after the death and resurrection of Jesus, fire falls again from heaven, not on tablets of stone, Not on rules or regulations, but on people. 
supremely those first followers, they experienced God's presence and his power. And they experienced it as an expression of his love. The Apostle Paul in Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that we experience something of the extravagant, generous love of God. It's powerful, but it's personal too. It's not just up there. It's down here for us. I can remember the first time that I experienced the Holy Spirit. Just knowing that I was loved, 14 years old. And it was from that place of love that actually I I sensed God might be calling me to give my life to him, to follow him, to work in the church. I love what uh, Rick Warren says. He says, to feel loved by God is the starting point of every ministry, every revival, every renewal, every great awakening. And I love hearing stories of revivals in history. And many of you will know the story of John Wesley. Uh, Went on to be an amazing revivalist and preacher. Pioneered the the whole of the Methodist movement. But this was where it all started. 1739 in Fetter Lane. I looked it up on Google Maps earlier. Fetter Lane is about five miles away from here. 25 minutes in the car, you could probably cycle it. Some of you cyclists I know, super quick, could do it very, very fast. But this is the entry that John Wesley puts in his journal on that day, 1739, Monday the 1st of January, before revival broke out. He says, Mr. Hall, Kinchin, Ingham, Whitfield, Hutchins, and my brother Charles were present at our love feast in Fetter Lane with about 60 of our brethren. About three in the morning, as we were continuing instant in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us, insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. As soon as we were recovered a little from that awe and amazement at the presence of his majesty, we broke out with one voice. We praise thee, O God. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord." That was what kick-started that revival, that great awakening. And some of our friends, the leaders who've been uh, pioneering this festival, Wildfires, part of their vision is to really contend for the next great awakening in our nation. Believing and trusting that God did it then at Pentecost, and he's done it in history, and he will do it again with us. See, these disciples, they experienced the power and the love of the Holy Spirit. And it changed them. It transformed them so that they could bring transformation. Started with expectation. They experienced the Holy Spirit. And then they went on to exude the Holy Spirit. If you exude something, you put it on public display. If someone exudes confidence... You can see it in them. And as a result of experiencing the Holy Spirit, these new followers of Jesus, they go public. And we read there in chapter 2, verse 39, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's the audacious vision 
that we have been given as Christians. The Holy Spirit fills us, but not just for us. It's not just for ourselves. He fills us for everyone else too, for all who are far off. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can find myself thinking, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about everything that's taking place in Ukraine? God, what are you going to do about the economy at the moment? What are you going to do where there's injustice? What are you going to do with the decline of the church? When are you going to break through? But then in those moments of prayer, I sometimes sense him reminding me of these words. In Acts 1 verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, locally, in all Judea and Samaria, regionally, nationally, and to the ends of the earth, globally. He wants to empower me and you to go, to exude something of the Holy Spirit, to be his witnesses. That's what we see here. They, they come with expectation. They experience the Holy Spirit And then they go. And what do we see? We see the church empowered, making a difference. They go out. They preach the good news. They declare the wonders of God. There's church growth. Thousands are added to their number daily. People getting baptized. People devoting themselves to the Christian community. And they go and they serve. They heal the sick. They clothe the needy. They feed the hungry. There was no one needy amongst them. Jesus knows that we can't do any of this in our own strength. We need his power and his spirit to be in us at work, at school, college, university, in your family, in your relationships, maybe in your marriage, maybe amongst siblings. Maybe you're here today, you're struggling in some way with an addiction. You can't break free in your own strength. Trying to find the future path for your life, but you can't do it in your own strength. He's the one who comes to guide and to lead. He's the way. He's the one who brings freedom and healing. Wherever you are at today, You can be completely confident that God wants to fill you with his spirit, his power, and his presence. Maybe that today you're here and you feel empty or deflated. Maybe a bit like this uh, balloon. Just a bit flat. Oh, this one's got a little light in it. That's quite clever. But the Apostle Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word that Paul uses there, it's sort of in the continuous present tense. It means go on being filled. Not just once, keep on being filled. You see, the balloon is full, but it can be more full. And we can go through life and it can leak, but it can be filled again. 
And the Spirit of God never runs dry. His love never runs out. And he wants to come and fill each one of us. Let's be expectant today that we can experience his presence, that we can be filled, equipped, empowered, and sent out in Jesus' name to make a difference in this world. Amen. Amen.